0: What is up? Hello and welcome to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. Once again, I am one half of the dynamic duo that is Downey and Martez. I am Trey Downey and with me every single week, you hear him multiple times on the Bucks Nation feed every week. It is the host of the Monday Morning Extra Point and the co-host of Downey and Martez, Lynn Martez.
1: Ooh, I like that intro. I don't know how, I don't know how effective it is when it comes to uh, describing the multi-talented Len Martens, But uh, as I speak in the third person, <laughs> Ooh, let's get started, man. Let's talk about uh, Sunday night football. A little something, something going on Sunday night, and also, you know, it's uh, five time, five time, five time. Pro Bowl quarterback joining the Buccaneers.
0: We will get into all of that in just moments. Your social reminder to start the show. Follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself at TD Experience and follow Bucs Nation at bucks underscore Nation. Check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, wherever you're listening to this podcast, click that plus button on apple subscribe on spotify you'll get the podcast downloaded to your preferred listening device before uh before you even have to do anything and uh you'll get a notification wake up in the morning nice drive to work with Downey and martez or the monday morning extra point because when you subscribe to this feed you will get both of those podcasts on your phone lynn uh Let's rewind a little bit before we get into the signing in this week and into a little bit of what I'm sure you talked about on Monday morning, Extra Point, this week with Brandon Dowdy, former NFL quarterback. And that was the Bucks' first loss of the season. They lose to the L.A. Rams. Uh, both of us picked the Rams to win that game. Were you surprised,
1: though, at –
0: how dominant the win was for Los Angeles.
1: I was surprised they were able to get as much pressure on Tom as they did. Tom being Tom Brady and the Rams' defense, they hit him a few few more times that you wanted to see. And uh, I mean, obviously, when you start talking about Aaron Donald and he's and ridiculous, that, man, and the, the ability to well, what's what's so I mean. What's so good for him and for their defense and so bad for teams that play them now is that you got to find him. You know, there was a time where he was, a you know, a DT and that was it. He played where he played and that was it. He lined up outside a whole lot of times on Sunday. And uh, it was one particular time where Gronk had the responsibility of trying to get in front of him. Whiff! And by the time Donovan Smith got over, it was too late. Went through, went through both of them, man. Yeah, it was, it was too late. And I don't know, I like, you know, kind of got the, I actually shot that video and posted it on Twitter. elmart eight ten, and um, got some black. most most folks most folks, you know, <laughs> w- w- were thinking in terms of, hey man, as much as we get Donovan a hard time, Donovan did not have a shot when it came to. uh, trying to stop this guy who, you know, basically is a locomotive train, nearly 300 pounds. And uh, once he gets rolling to the quarterback, yeah, you got no shot.
0: If you want to take some positives from the game, I think it's the continued, I I don't even want to call it a resurgence, but after week one, when there were questions about Mike Evans, Mike Evans has really turned things on. In the past couple of couple of weeks, the Bucks answered some successful Rams jo- drives very well. So those will be the positives that I take out of the game. Yes, the Rams were pretty dominant, but I don't look at that game and think, wow, if these two teams meet in the playoffs, that the Bucs won't have a chance. I think especially if they get healthy on the defensive side of the ball and in the secondary, that will help quite a bit and having sean murphy bunting to match up against a guy like cooper cup will definitely help and having richard sherman i think will help i'm going to be interested to see how this will pivot now let's pivot now to sherman and how this slow
1: down. because i mean because i mean you, you want to talk about sherman but yeah we haven't really got into the game yet we haven't really i mean i i when you talk about the rams win Mm-hmm. And if you were to ask me like you did in regards to, you know, the unexpected, I told you one of the things. But for the most part, as you stated already, we both picked the Rams to win this football game based off of the inability for the Bucs to, to stop the pass and, and uh, the multifaceted weapons that the Rams have on the outside. We certainly didn't expect to see a just Des- Jackson sighting getting behind the defense the way he did. By the way, um all the taunting, taunting calls you had the last, and he didn't get one on that touchdown. How do you not get one there? Mike Edwards yeah. backs in the way he did, and that dude wants the whole goal line, a la you know Dallas Cowboys and Giants days, and when he when he was on the Eagles. I mean, I, I understand. I understand. You know. I think it's
0: a stupid rule. Period. Oh, yeah. No,
1: no. you want to curb, but calling. you want to be consistent. Yeah, absolutely. You want to curb calling that that penalty? Curb it. But you can't curb it in the middle of the year and not tell everybody, hey, we're going to chill out. We're not going to be calling those penalties anymore. Because you know what we remember? The ones you called already and then watching the guy do what he did on Sunday. But beyond, beyond that, again, you, know, you lose Jamel Dean. So that's, that's bad off right off the bat. And as much as we predicted the Rams to win that football game, once that happened, I was like, they're done. Because you can't keep diving into your depth chart and start playing a third corner, a fourth corner like they're at one or two. It, it's not going to work, especially with the offense that you were playing. It's mm-hmm. one thing to play a team that's you know maybe not as capable as the Rams are, but Cooper Cup's the best wide receiver in the NFL right now. I don't care what anybody says. He's very close if he's he, not number one. He, he, he's leading the league in yards, and he's tied for number one in receptions. I'm not talking talent-wise. I'm talking about production right now. He's the best. We can sit there, we can talk about all the one-hand grabs and double teams that DeAndre Hopkins beats and all that kind of stuff, and Stefan Diggs, and I get it. And Tyree Kill running past people, I get it. But production right now, the number one guy is Cooper Cup, and when you start losing, when you start losing DBs in the middle of the game when you've already lost one, you're shot, dude. Yep. And unfortunately, I mean, that was really the bad. The ugly was watching freaking Deshaun walk the freaking goal line away. Did. So so did it worry you before we get
0: into the Sherman thing and how it all and how it all fits in. My other worry I said last week on the podcast, and then I also said, on our pregame show on Twitter Spaces uh, this past weekend that I thought that the best game plan for the Bucks to be able to stop the Rams was getting a lot of pressure on Matthew Stafford. They didn't do that very well on Sunday. Does the lack of pressure from the Bucks pass rush worry you at all, or did they have to be uh, more vanilla because of the injuries in the secondary?
1: That's a, real, that's a really good question. That's a really good point, too. Uh, Obviously, you were missing Jason Pierre-Paul and Joe Trine. So Yanka did an admirable job, but it's his first NFL start. And uh, when you lose, again, as much depth as you may have at a position, when you start diving into that depth, roles change. And uh, not having Jason Pierre-Paul there to, you know, line up in the middle of your defensive line or stand up on the outside or whatever it is and the way he's adapted to playing in Todd Bowles' defense, Beyond me, because I didn't think he'd be able to do it when Todd Bowles was hired, thinking, how's JPP going to play in this defense? And he's been awesome the last couple of years in this defense. But as far as not getting pressure on a quarterback, we can talk about, in regards to, as you mentioned, you know, maybe going a little bit vanilla when it comes to getting pressure on a quarterback, but dude, week one. Dak, blew him up, and I know yeah. so Murphy, but think, got hurt in that game. But still, this team is the worst team in the league against the Pats. They have given up the most yards. This is starting the to
0: this this is starting to look like the Bucks defense of a few years ago, where they were still solid against the run, but there were so many questions in the back end. And it's kind of funny because we kind of talked last week how during those years everybody was like. Oh, the Bucks secondary so young, they need to bring in a veteran corner. They need to bring in a veteran corner. And
1: well, here we are. Here we are. Yeah. No, but when it comes to uh, you know, when it comes to that lack of pressure, am I worried? Yeah, a little bit. Because like anything else, I mean, you talk about a couple of years ago. A couple of years ago, what was the concern? And I know it's a totally different team. Certainly, there's a few players that were on that football team, but a couple of years ago, we were like, where are the turnovers? Like teams fall into turnovers in the NFL, right? Decent teams, good teams, by mistake, get turnovers. And I'm not saying that this team can't get turnovers. That's not my point. My point is getting sacks, getting pressures. You've got a lot of money on that defensive line. And I know there's times where game planning, you game plan for Shaq Barrett now, right? He's out there the whole time. He's taking and you can do it even more when Jason Pierre-Paul's out. Exactly, that's my point. When I say when you start diving into your depth chart, roles change, and teams that play you are going to attack you differently, and that's exactly it.
0: So now, now we can talk about now we can talk about Richard Sherman. I don't th- is there anything else you want to get into nope. from this past Sunday? Okay, so Richard Sherman signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Announces on his new uh, podcast after flying to Tampa Bay and an interesting story came out that once he was on the flight to Tampa Bay, he got a call from his former team, the Seattle Seahawks, to try to convince him to uh, go to Seattle instead.
1: But Tom Brady. Hey man, you, 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 you slow, you slow, you done, man. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So snooze, you lose. Exactly. So,
0: so uh, especially when Tom Brady is the one that personally reaches out. If you want him,
1: you could have signed him, signed him before he was, he was doing all the things. You know what I mean? For sure, and, you, I do, get, and I do, but I do believe
0: win. there were some there were some reports that uh, that he did that the Seahawks did kick the tires, but then he when he had the off season
1: issues, that kind of changed things a little bit. Well, here's the problem, Trey, is just like you said, it, the report came out that you know allegedly Seattle you know contacted him while he's on his way here. Well, um, excuse me, but. You had all this time to do it. And the same way, allegedly, Seattle contacted him. I'm willing to tell you that, and it's just a guess, but I'm willing to tell you that they did it with the idea of knowing, getting a whiff, that he was getting get ready to go somewhere else. Oh, for and sure. At, and at that standpoint, I mean, it's like, well, hold on. Hold on. I already asked her to go to the prom. And now you want to step up to me? And and you know I and you know I asked her. Oh hell no. No, no. I already asked her. No. Bye. Why? Because someone else wants me now? No, no. And that's what we Seattle's deal. Now, because someone else wanted him, now you want him. No. And and, (laughs) I mean, and I mean you had these reports went on for
0: weeks that the Bucks were interested. Then it came out that Carolina was interested as well. So if you're Seattle, you had time to uh to to reach out to absolutely
1: and like i said they got wind of him coming here literally on his way here so they try to uh you know 24th hour 23rd hour last ditch effort to change his mind and at that standpoint you brought up the point of of sherman signing here and not the number one number one reason why but sherman signing here to keep him away from the carolina panthers right? Mm-hmm. Seattle had the opportunity to sign him before he got here. They could have rolled out the roses anytime they wanted to. But when did they decide to roll out the roses? When he's already on a plane. And that tells you they weren't serious. They just wanted to keep him away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who they may run into in the playoffs. If they're in the
0: playoffs with Seattle sitting at one and two right now and the rest of that division is playing pretty dang well. There you go, Mr. So, Arizona Cardinal. Go ahead. I mean, they look dang good. We'll we'll talk about that when we talk about yeah, the games will, that, that have after this week. We're, we're we'll we'll talk about that when we when we get Ew. the games to watch this weekend. Uh, so so now let's let's talk about the Sherman signing and how it kind of plays out. You have mentioned when we talked about this uh in past weeks that you think that uh he's probably going to come in here and pl- and play a little bit more zone because of his because of his age and, you know, where he's at physically and things like that. Uh, I don't mind that Todd Bowles does use a lot of, a lot of zone schemes, especially he likes to run those zone, those zone blitzes. So it is, it is going to be an interesting thing as far as how he, where he lines up and things like that. And then how long Jamel Dean uh, is going to be at, be out how much he's banged up. And then Sean Murphy bunting when he returns, that's the most interesting thing to me is when this Bucks secondary gets fully healthy, where Sherman kind of fits in. Does he take that other outside spot from Jamel Dean and Jamel Dean is just put in spots and, and Murphy Bunting just slides back into his role in the slot. I don't think you're playing Richard Sherman in the slot at this state, at this stage in his career. So I think that's probably how it plays out, but I also think it's dependent on how Sherman looks while Jamel Dean is still a little bit banged up. And I'm sure they'll split time on the outside, and then the Bucs will make the decision based on their play as far as who is going to get the majority of that playing time talking on the other side opposite of Carlton Davis on the outside. Because as I've said multiple times, Sean Murphy Bunting is going to slide right back into the slot uh, once he – once he uh, gets back. I don't think Richard Sherman is coming in here and uh, taking taking time away from Cockwell, who I've given a lot of crap to, but he made a couple of plays this past weekend where, I mean, the talent level is not 100% there, but that man's effort is more of the highest on the Buccaneers. But yeah, back, back to Sherman, I think that's kind of how it plays out. Agree, disagree?
1: Uh, my thing is, and, and I will tell you that He's going to be on the outside. I agree. He's not going to be in the slot because the other two guys are more adaptable to playing the slot as it is when it comes to when it comes to Sean Murphy Bunton when he does return and Jamel Dean. As far as what type of defense this team's going to play, look, God bless Richard Sherman, Sumakulati from Stanford, fifth round pick, five-time all-pro cornerback, and also a member of. La- the last decades pro football hall of fame team i mean the guy is going to be a hall of fame at one probably
0: in in my lifetime probably the member of the best secondary group that i've seen in my past 31 years of my life
1: with the legion of boom in seattle no doubt no doubt by the way who's one of those safeties on that on that team a damn chancellor go yeah. Hokies baby go Hokies yeah I actually covered Cam when he was in college and I was out there in Blacksburg with him. good dude uh but back to Sherman here's the thing that I like more than anything else and, and, and yes you get a guy with, with that still has talent and is able to uh to play and and, and just like anything else played well last year just like anything else you know but he hasn't played in in uh almost probably I want to say like Nine or ten months because he got hurt last year too, mm-hmm. but he's got to get into you know he's got to get into shape, and uh, he's obviously slowly doing that. We don't know if he's going to play on Sunday. You mentioned Jamel Dean. Jamel Dean will find out today whether or not he, he practices on on uh, on Thursday and, and Friday. I believe
0: Bruce Arian said it was it's highly unlikely that Sherman suits up on Sunday. Yeah, he did say that, but England. it's
1: also a matter of need now because if Jamel mm-hmm. Dean can't go. All of a sudden, you have a, a healthy but slightly out of shape corner in <laughs> Richard Sherman who might be able to give you something. And it might just be 15 snaps, 20 snaps, whatever it is, but he can give you something. But my point in all this is that Sherman's never been, like I said, going back to even a fifth-round pick and when he was part of that secondary that you mentioned, he's never been a real man-to-man guy. What they, he played, is,
0: they played a decent amount of man-to-man in They Seattle, played a though. lot of
1: zone, dude. He, he, they played a lot of zone. But what he is, is one of the smartest players that, mm-hmm. I mean, in, in, in my lifetime, to play on defense and play i I'm not worried about
0: him picking up the playbook at all.
1: No, here's the thing, though, too. And, again, he looks across the other field, I mean, on the other side of the ball, and he can tell you what they're going to do. And as a a corner, that's half the battle. You know, you can talk about running step-to-step with a guy, and you could run a 4-3, but if you don't know what that dude's doing or where he's going, he's going to lose you. And if you don't know what that quarterback is thinking about doing, he's going to lose you. So when it comes to, and we've talked about football IQ before, when it comes to Gronk and Brady, and even on on the low end, we talked about Ronald Jones. Yep. One thing that, that Richard Sherman is going to bring this secondary, whether it be on the field or in that classroom, he's going to bring you huge IQ to this team. And when it comes to a team that's struggling with worst in the NFL and in, in pass defense, you tag on right, you're going to kick the tires with this dude and find out how much he can bring to your football team. The thing about it more than anything else, though, too, is for me, when it comes to – Sherman and Arians and Todd Bowles is these guys have Todd Bowles and, and and Bruce Arians have watched Sherman in the last probably 10 years when he was in the NFC West, when he yes. was at Seattle, and he, and he was at Arizona, and the coaches were at, I mean, when he was at San, San Francisco and Seattle, and the coaches were at Arizona going up against him twice a year. You know what you were doing back then and if you were a, an offensive coordinator? for the arizona cardinals and i was going to the other side yep looking to see what 25 is and that's what bruce has been doing when he was playing against richard sherman and he knows how smart he is and for me bruce is uh to me he's probably one of the biggest player coaches there are in the nfl it's going to shoot it straight to you guys tell you flat out bruce ba is going to give it to you straight and you know what if ba is going to give it to you straight you know what he's not going to do He's not going to bring this guy out and have Richard Sherman tarnish what he's done in this league. If he can't play, he wouldn't be
0: here. I agree with you as far as they, I, they worked him out. They knew they, you know, that he's ready to play or you don't bring Richard Sherman in here uh, to this locker room, uh, especially in, in a situation where your division looks like it might be more competitive than what you thought it was going to be at the beginning of the season. You mentioned when you were talking about uh, football IQ there, one more quick thing I want to get into as far as possible moves before uh, we start previewing Sunday Night Football against the New England Patriots is you mentioned Ronald Jones. And this Sunday was a little bit different because the Bucks were behind, so you weren't going to see a ton of them running the ball. But I think throughout the stretch of the first the first uh, few weeks of the season, the first three weeks of the season in the NFL for the Bucks, other than the issues in the secondary, probably uh, their biggest issues are the fact that they're not getting much out of their running backs. Both Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones have not played stellar.
1: Tom it came was the leading, leading rusher last Sunday.
0: It came out this week that the Indianapolis Colts and Marlon Mack, former USF running back, Have mutually agreed to seek a trade partner. I know the Bucs are stacked when it comes to running back, and it's not like if they were to make that trade, uh, that they would trade Ronald Jones for Marlon Mack straight up or anything like that. It would likely be, uh, it would likely have to be a draft pick, and then the Bucs would have to figure out what they do on on the back end there. But do you think, with the issues that the Bucs have had in the backfield so far, that it is worth a call to Indianapolis to? explore this Marlon Mack thing. I know there are a lot of teams, San Francisco, Baltimore come to mind that make a lot more sense. But it is, is it worth a call uh, for the Bucks to possibly bring Marlon Mack back to the stadium where he had fantastic success with USS?
1: It's worth a call because it, it would be an area that you would need to improve. But if the if the market includes multiple teams, Guess what that gives the Colts? Leverage. <laughs> exactly. And because of that, like, I'm not, I'm not giving up a whole lot for him because honestly, they won a Super Bowl with this backfield and they added a true throw down back. Who was Who's probably positive. playing the best out of the running backs on say, He this team. was a positive on Sunday, too. Yeah. You know, he's still learning the playbook. I mean, when Brandon Dowdy, four man, quarterback, and I were talking on the morning Extra Point. We were talking about how Brandon brought up the fact that he's still learning the playbook because Tom, when they break the huddle, is moving Gio around to the right spots. But as a pro, I mean, professionally, Gio's Geo's done great. He's gonna pick up, he's gonna pick up the blitzes. He's gonna allow you to spread them out wide and find out what the defense is doing. So I mean, you got you got two starting, you got two starting running backs, dude. And again, you want a Super Bowl with those two starting running backs. So is there a dire need? So you got to get into a bidding war? Heck no, not worth it for me. Uh, I agree with you. I do think that beyond
0: trading for another back, I think we could possibly, if, if Ronald Jones doesn't have a breakout game over the next few weeks and we get closer to the trading deadline and you still have teams like the Ravens, like the Dolphins, like the 49ers who have issues at running back. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks get a couple of calls on Ronald Jones uh, for teams that saw his talent last year and think that a change of scenery might benefit Ronald Jones. But I do think that we're a couple of weeks away from that. And now we'll pivot into this weekend. And I think that this is a weekend where, I said it against Atlanta and it didn't necessarily, and it didn't fully happen, but I think that this is a weekend where the Bucks can afford to put more focus on the running game and try and get it going because especially with a rookie quarterback and Todd Bowles beast on, on rookie quarterbacks, the Bucs have their issues, but I'm not a hundred percent sure that Matt Jones as a rookie and the lack of established weapons that they have are going to be able to take advantage of some of the bucks weaknesses right now. I think if the bucks want to make this kind of a kind of a dog fight they can and I think that they'll have the opportunity to get the running game going because I don't see New England jumping out on uh, on the bucks early. I don't think that their offense is going to be able to attack the bucks defense even with the injuries that they have in the same way in the same way that the first three teams did. You can say what you will about Atlanta's lack of weapons, but they still have a former MVP quarterback and Matt Ryan. Oh no, no. Yeah, and you know. Mac Jones is uh is certainly not that yet at all or will ever be in my opinion, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, uh what do you what do you think as far as the <laughs> – does New
1: England do anything offensively uh, that scares you coming into this weekend? No, 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 no. I giggle, though, that you think that the Bucks are going to all of a sudden decide, well, let's run the ball. So just so – I mean, maybe it's, it's a week where you can try and get, get it going. You need to so get the running going yeah. at some okay. point. okay.
0: Of all the weeks... I'm sure Tom wants to throw seven
1: touchdowns, exactly. whatever. Of all the weeks to reestablish the run game, you wanted to be in the most anticipated football game of the century where the greatest quarterback in the NFL is going up against a the team they he played for for 20 years and bought six Super Bowls to and playing against the greatest coach, arguably... Of all time, who are, who they have an animosity to each other that is clear. Like divorce wasn't a good divorce, dude. So the you comments. Made, did you hear the comments Belichick made this yeah, week about the, the Bucks
0: are running the Patriots yeah, offense? That. Yeah, and, and then and you Bruce, know Bruce firing back was fantastic. Well, here's
1: like, the thing, though. Maybe they were running my offense. No, here's the thing. What, what you need to realize is, is that dissect what they said. Okay. He's talking about the Bucks copying the Patriots offense. You know what Belichick's been doing for, for the last 20 to 22 years in the NFL, even when he was coaching Cleveland? He's watching game film. And you know who he's watching? He's watching the Colts, who he played every year in the playoffs, he's watching the Steelers, who he played every year in the playoffs. He's watching the Ravens, who he played every year in the playoffs. Guess who coached for two of those teams? Bruce Arians. Yep. So, so he's taking, so he's watching film, and they all do this. There's no denying it. Everybody picks and chooses stuff that they see on film. That's in, what they every, do. in every single field in, in the world, the best ide- all the best ideas of are told. Of course. I mean, you, you, you're not sitting here copying the, the bad stuff. You watch Peyton Manning do what he did, in, in, like I said, Indianapolis w- with Bruce Arians as his offensive coordinator. You watch Ben Watsonberger do it in Pittsburgh with Bruce Arians with his, as his offensive coordinator. So you've got to prepare against those teams. You play them whether you play them in the playoffs or the regular season. That's what Bill's watching. Bill's watching that, watching that. And again, they all do it. They pick and choose what they want. You and I are both wrestling fans, right? Yep. We can't watch a match without watching someone else doing someone else's move that somebody did 15, 20 years ago. Shout out to Roman Reigns doing the rock bottom. Yeah, exactly. Your boy. Stealing stealing Dwayne's move. How dare you? But here's the thing. They're not copying the bad wrestlers. <laughs> you see anybody running around? <laughs> Nobody's doing the Repo
0: Man yeah. finisher in twenty twenty one. Running
1: around doing the Barry How How Howitz move, or hey, or... don't talk bad about the pat on the back. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my favorite. Nobody's running around doing the Brooklyn Brawlers move. They all do the stuff that's good and that works. So again. Bruce can see, uh, will it be Bruce or Bill, they can talk about copying each other. They all copy each other. That's how it is. But you think, again, back to my point as I got ADD, uh, you think that Tom's going to go up there and be like, yeah, let's give it to Ronald 15 times and let's give it to Lenny 15 times. How? Oh, no. That dude wants to put up 40 in his first game not in a Patriots uniform in Gillette Stadium to let everybody know I am still
0: the man. How do you think he's received?
1: On a Q uniform.
0: You think so? Of course, you have to. You have to. It's Boston. I, want, I wonder nah, how dude. mixed it. No, not, no, no, no. I think it'll be mostly cheers, but I'm interested to see if there's some smattering of, of boos here. Here's the thing there.
1: if you boo him. I just mentioned the divorce all right and allegedly you know based off of books that are coming out and excerpts and all that kind of stuff Tom reached out to Bill Bill's the one that didn't have the time to discuss the future and playing with the Patriots past his last year when he was a free agent he reached out whether Bill was on a safari trip hanging out with saving on their boats in West Virginia, whatever it was, he didn't take the time to talk to his quarterback. And so what is time supposed to do? Wait on you? I'm the greatest of all time, dude. Okay, you don't want me? I'm out. I'm gone. And, back? Be- and because of that, that's why you can't boo him if you're a Patriots fan. Because you know who got rid of him? The dude who's running your team now with a one and two star. As much as dude. I like Belichick, as far as the coach is concerned.
0: Do you expect any kind of interaction between the two Yeah, pre, pre or post game?
1: There has to be. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Parcells went back to New England to coach against Belichick after Belichick was supposed to be the heir apparent for the Jets job and decided, ah, you know what? Uh, Robert Kraft just gave me a call 24 hours ago and offered me more money. I think I'm going to go up to New England, not to the Jets job. Wait a minute! You are a coach. We already announced it. Nah, it's okay. We can, we got, You know, don't worry about the contract. I got, I got another job. I'm going up to New England. So again, there was there was sour grapes between Parcells and Belichick. These are guys that, that won championships together in in New York, and and were with, were with New England together. Belichick was his defensive coordinator in New England, and he was also his defense coordinator with the Jets too. So, but that that was frosty. And they they interacted. It wasn't much, but they interacted. They also did. I guess they did like a thirty for thirty after after it was all done too with with Belgium Oh, the two themselves. Bills, yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, it may take some time. We may get that with with, with Tom and, and, and Bill, but the fussiness is gonna it's gonna go away. But I don't think it'll be. You know, there won't be no there won't be no bro hugs. I think it'll be a quick, you know, a quick handshake and maybe a lean in with one elbow, maybe because Gronk probably, might
0: go for a bro hug with Bill. Gronk might.
1: I don't doubt I don't doubt, but Bill's not a bro hug guy, dude. Yeah. You know, no, he's, I don't I, I he's really I don't think uncomfortable so. with, with that public setting as it is, you it, know. Uh no days off. No <laughs> days off. It's not good in that settings, dude. It if there
0: if there is an upset on Sunday night, is it because belichick has surprises us and puts together such a great defensive game plan that gives that gives the bucks fits or is it mac jones having a breakout game i tend to think it's more likely that somehow maybe the patriots pass rush gets to gets to brady and that's and it's more of a low scoring kind of game and and the patriots squeak one out as opposed to the patriots beating the Bucks in a shootout or even, you know, getting up early.
1: Totally agree. Totally agree. You're not going to have Mac Jones outplay Tom Brady. As I just mentioned, you know, that dude's going up there for his first game in, uh, in the enemy uniform, u- uniform, so to speak, to play in New England. And I can't see anyone out dueling him in that game. I mean, it, you know, unfortunately it's Mac Jones, a rookie quarterback. But I don't care who they had up. I don't care if Cam was still there. That, that That's not the way they were going to... That's not the way that I think the patch will game plan. And if they are successful in beating the Bucks, it's about keeping Tom off the football field and a few wrinkles and surprises. Because, I mean, nobody knows Tom better than Bill. And as much as Tom knows Bill too, I mean... I, Tom Tom has weaknesses yeah. and, and, and there aren't a lot. But when you start getting that pass rush in the middle of the field, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, that's guys don't like to get hit. We watched it in Super Bowls. You know, we watched it in 07 and, and 2012. I mean, Tom's not trying to get off the you know, trying to get off the grass and get off the turf, man. I mean, he's 44 <laughs> years old, and the ball's gonna come out quickly too, which in turn kind of makes you think how the patch will will play on the, off, on, the, uh, on the line of scrimmage when it comes to the outside weapons because ball's going to come out. You pressure Tom in the middle of the field, ball's going to come out. Now it's whether or not you're able to stop the weapons that the balls are, go- the balls are going to. Yeah, I think you'll, you'll see it in the predictions
0: article coming up this week on Bucksnation.com. Both Lynn and I have the, have the Bucks winning this game and we don't think it's going to be Uber competitive. That is the game that the national eyes are going to be on this weekend. It, even if it isn't the most competitive game just because of the storylines, but I want to talk about the rest of the NFL schedule a little bit before we before we get out of here and as far as the games that I'm looking forward to this weekend, and I want to focus on the undefeated teams that are left in the NFL because I think all of them are in interesting matchups this weekend. I my the game that I'm looking forward to most is the one between undefeated teams and we talked about it earlier the rams hosting the arizona cardinals and i think that could be an early statement game for arizona if they're able to upset la uh another interesting one is carolina even with the injuries that they have right now going to dallas to play a dallas team that has won two straight and we a ryan suck up field goal away from being undefeated as well you've got denver who might be the most surprising undefeated team in the NFL they are hosting the Baltimore Ravens who have also won two straight Justin Tucker's lead, longest field goal in NFL history and then you've got the Raiders and the Chargers who the Raiders another surprising team and playing uh, a Chargers team whose only loss was a close one in Dallas I think all four of those games are super intriguing and have the makings of being very competitive uh, uh, Denver's the most surprising to me. I think they them and Carolina both could lose this weekend, and obviously we're gonna have one lose in the Battle of unbeatens, but that one's the game of the the game of the week to me. Arizona and Los Angeles, I think could have lasting implications in that division. I think both are playoff teams, but I think a win in that one goes further for Arizona if they get the win and they get that confidence early in the season all
1: uh, right here's the bottom line Stone cold, okay. For one, at the end of this weekend, I'm telling you right now, at the end of this weekend, and you'll bring it up if I'm wrong, if you remember. I think I know where you're
0: going with this.
1: There's only going to be one undefeated team left. Okay. And, and that's going to be the Los Angeles Rams. One thing we didn't talk about when it came to the Bucks traveling to La La Land in L.A. was that SoFi Stadium is loud. It was loud. And I don't know what the capacity was, but if you got to go there in January, I mean, let's say the Rams end up being the the number one ranked team come playoff time. The Super Bowl, yeah, the Super Bowl playoffs would end up going through L.A. And, man, that's going to be a weird, imagine,
0: imagine a situation where the Rams and Chargers both end up with home field advantage
1: and their host. It's not a stretch. It's not, it's not a, it's not a stretch, but when it, again, when it comes to that game, there's only going to be one undefeated team left after the weekend because the Rams are going to win that game. Dallas is, as you mentioned, one kick away, one, not, not called offensive pass the interference call from winning here in Tampa Bay on that, uh, on that opening night where, uh, where Chris Godwin got away with a push, (laughs) push, no push, whatever. Uh, But look, Cowboys somehow have found a way to get back to doing what they should have been doing for the last couple of years. Stop having Dak throw 55 times. They're running the football. They got a two headed monster and they're playing at home on Sunday. And I, and I see them beating the Panthers who don't have their dual threat running back in McCaffrey. Hubbard's good, but he's not McCaffrey when it comes to the Broncos and they're playing the Ravens and granted the Broncos are at home, but I, look, I'm not buying them. And, 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 I'll ask you this out of the, out of the undefeated
0: teams, I picked three of them to be kind of my surprise teams of the season. So I'm not completely shocked by them. Denver has played a very weak schedule. So I think that's why they're, Undefeated. You weren't as high on those other teams as Arizona, Carolina, and the Raiders as I was. But out of the four that are surprising, is Denver still the most surprising to you? And which you you're not buying Denver? Are you buying into any of the other four at all?
1: When you start diving into who, and not 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 the result now that the teams are zero and nine, but when you really look at the schedule and see who the Broncos had the first three weeks, you could have kind of predicted that they were going to end up being 3-0. and It's kind of what I told you about the Carolina Panthers. You got to win the nine or 10 games. I said, well, guess what? On their front end of their schedule, they better feast because they're going to have three games where they could potentially win. And they've done that. So, I mean, they've done what they're supposed to do. The one thing I will say about the Broncos is that, man, I was looking at some numbers. And yeah. They play teams that, you know, combined 0-9. But they are really dominating teams when it comes to, like, total yards. I mean, they got, like, 600 more total yards and they've given up. And, you know, that last undefeated team, the Raiders, in, you're talking about two overtime wins, right? Two overtime wins. And granted, they were real impressive on the road at Heinz Field and beating, beating the Steelers. But I personally... And I am high on DLA uh, Chargers, really high on their offense. Uh, I wish they ran Eckler more than they do, but they have two of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL. Nobody talks about Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. And all those guys do, man, a, a, a mismatches. Williams mismatches.
0: Real Is really breaking out this year and stepping up. In Red zone, dude. Yeah. Big boy. Reminds Red me so much of Mike Evans. And he and he was here when he played in that national championship against uh, against uh, Alabama at Raymond James Stadium. And I remember on on media day uh, in college, I thought he reminded me of Mike Evans. And I asked him I asked him about the comparisons to Mike Evans. And he said that's one of the guys that he, uh, you know, models his game after took him a little bit to get going. But now that he has that quarterback and Justin Herbert, I'm very
1: high on Mike Williams and Keenan Allen criminally underrated. Not to mention the fact that on the other side of the ball, they've got a Santa Samuel Jr. playing great cornerback as a rookie for them. And they got an all world safety in Derwin James. So, you know, when you could put two guys in the secondary like that, and you could start cutting field in half in a league that, for the most part, is going to throw the ball, and the, the the teams that you have to beat in your own division are Focused on throwing the football because the Raiders don't have Josh Jacobs. He's banged up. KC can't run it. Those two teams throw the football, and all of a sudden the Chargers show up and they're cutting the field off because they got James and Samuel on that side of the field. I mean, that's why I'm big on the Chargers, man. Big. Yeah, no, I I I like the Chargers
0: a lot, and I think both them and the Raiders can be playoff teams along with Kansas City who. Kansas City's in a weird spot, man, falling to one and two early in the season. They, they can't afford to drop any more of these early season games when you've got the other teams in that division, especially a lot of people were high on the Chargers going into the season, but you've got the two that people probably predicted finished third and fourth in the division, getting off to a hot start and getting, a, getting momentum. And no matter what you say, man, momentum is a real thing. And yes, Denver beat up on bad teams, but if Denver can if Denver can beat the Ravens who had, who already beat the chiefs and are, you know, Baltimore hasn't looked stellar so far. They barely beat a uh, alliance team that neither of us think think are very good. I don't completely count out Denver winning that game, but Denver wins that game, gets a little bit more confidence, especially Teddy Bridgewater getting more confidence, especially the way that his NFL career has played out. That division, man, it's hard to say Kansas City's in trouble, but the way the rest of that division is played, you never know. You could say it
1: because they're doing things that lose football games, turning the ball over and can't stop running water on defense. And Josh Gordon's going to fix it all. Yeah. Can he play corner? Because that's what they need. They need secondary help. They don't need more weapons.
0: They should have been kicking the tires on Richard Sherman or making the, the call to Jacksonville like Carolina did I mean, to, to bring in another quarter. I know
1: Andy Reid is like, you know, the Pope of resurrections, you know, wants to resurrect a career and this, that, and that kind of stuff. And, you know, hopefully Josh Gordon can get his eighth chance and, and this time make it work. But, Dad, dude, you got other – you got other – <laughs> needs. You got bigger needs. than another, I mean, you can't even get Hardman the ball enough times. And now you bring bringing yep. Josh Gordon. Come on.
0: And this is after you lost Sammy Watkins this offseason. So uh it's that that division is that both of the Wests in the NFC and the AFC are shaping up to be very, very fascinating. You've got teams that people were very high on in Kansas City and Seattle, both sitting at one and two. With two other three and O teams and a two and one team in their same division. It's going to be fascinating to watch play out. Huge NFL slate this weekend. We mentioned all of the undefeated teams in intriguing games. Plus, you've got Bucks and Patriots, Tom Brady's return to Foxborough. So, going into the weekend, remember, check out bucksnation.com for all of the latest previews, news. They'll have their eye on the injury report. All that leading up into the weekend. And then during the game and leading up to the game, you can follow both of us on social media for our takes on the football game. Follow Lynn at Elmar810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, click that subscribe button, please. It helps us a ton. Until next week, when we will be talking the results from Bucks and Patriots
1: this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.